Dr. Joseph Merrick is the founder of Young Hearts for Life. And doctor, I got to tell you, the minute that this story broke, people were like, you know about Young Hearts for Life, right, Lisa? And I said, I have definitely heard of it. But welcome to the show. I know you are local and you are the founder of this organization. Is it true you've done 250,000 screenings? Is that taking place over less than 10 years or 10 years? Well, almost. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me on. And um We've been doing the screening since 2007, and we've done about 300,000 electrocardiograms. And this is clearly the largest single experience in screening in in the country, if not the world. Maybe the galaxy. I don't know. (laughs) And is it it something that should be available in all high schools? Well, I think it's uh, recommended that in order to uh, do the best job at trying to prevent these incidents of sun cardiac death that these young adult athletes should have an electrocardiogram, whether it's at a screening at their high school or through their physician's office, as long as the ECG is interpreted by someone who's experienced in interpreting them. And how... How common is this? And can you, uh, you can answer that question second. What's the difference between cardiac arrest and a heart attack? So a heart attack is a situation that older adults have. They have a blockage in the coronary artery, and it uh, blocks the blood flow in their heart, uh, and damage is occurring to the heart. And unless they seek medical attention and get a balloon procedure, uh, they will have damage to the heart. So that's a uh, heart attack. A cardiac arrest is a situation when the heart stops beating effectively. Either it's being too fast or too slow. Uh, and unless something is done within a couple of minutes, that individual will die. And that's what and we so saw. The, your, Did we see that with Damar Hamlin? Question, yeah, so Damar Hamlin had a, a, a more uh, rare situation called commodio cortis, where a properly timed blow to the chest can produce one of these life-threatening rhythm disturbances. And so it happens uh, pretty rarely in football, but it'll happen more commonly in baseball when uh, young adults get hit in the chest or with uh, uh, lacrosse uh, and sometimes boxing, martial arts, those sorts of things. And how common is it among young athletes or people in that age group, whether they're playing sports or not? Yeah, so that's a great question. So this has been... Uh, to coin a popular term, uh, a bit of misinformation, because for the longest time it was said to be rare. Uh, and all you had to do was really look at uh, local news reports and realize that this was really occurring more commonly than uh, what was being reported. It was said to be one in 250,000 individuals. But uh, over the years, some really good science and studies have been done, and they've identified that this could be as common as one in 25,000 young adults. But really what's uh, interesting is there are some groups that are much higher risk. So uh, college NCAA basketball players will have an incidence of about one in 5,000. And if they're uh, African-American, the incidence is as high as one in 2,000. So that's pretty darn common yeah. uh, and uh, really warrants making sure that steps are done to try and prevent the catastrophes. Why did you decide you needed to come up with an organization that could help? I mean, obviously, this is your life's work, but, you know, you're already a cardiologist and taking on the building and the advocacy of a nonprofit organization. There had to be something that was close to you that you needed to do this um, to fulfill I don't know, what you felt needed to be done. 
Well, for years as cardiologists, we would hear about these incidents of a young adult dying suddenly. And uh, uh, certainly being a parent, I couldn't imagine anything worse. And I think that's shared by most uh, people who have children. But then when I was thinking about this, uh, who else in the community would go and try and tackle this problem? It wouldn't be the architects. It wouldn't be uh, the policemen. Uh, And so we uh, heard about a study that was done in Italy in 2006 that showed that EKG screening can be very effective in identifying these young adults who are at risk for sudden cardiac death. Up until that point, uh, uh, studies were done and uh, doing different types of testing and really weren't successful in identifying those at risk. And so when I heard about this program, I thought EKGs, we do them all the time and we could do them. Uh, and we thought that the easiest way to do this was there is a large concentration of young adults in the high schools and that we could go there and we could do the screenings because although these conditions aren't rare, they're also not common. So if you're going to find them, you really have to comb through a lot of young adults with EKGs. Is there a difference between EKG and ECG now? I see them both used. Oh, yeah. So uh, EKG, the man who identified EKG originally was German, and so it's cardio with a K. And probably the proper terminology is ECG. Uh, and uh, so many of us uh, older cardiologists flip back and forth from one terminology to another. So uh, it leads to confusion, but uh, they're both the same test. Uh, is there a way that schools could reach out to your foundation and make sure that they are a part of this screening process or that they could incorporate it into their programs? Sure. We have a website, yhrl.org, uh, and they could get information about the program, about sudden cardiac death, And the other things that we do to try and reduce these catastrophes, because screening is just part of it, it's making sure that the schools are prepared with AEDs. The recurrent theme that we would hear over and over of young adults that died in our community is someone went down on the playing field or in the gymnasium, there was an AED, but it wasn't utilized. And so that's sort of tragedy on top of tragedy. So having emergency action plans is what the schools need to do. Uh, it's by law that they have to have AEDs, but, you know, they're educators and we're uh, healthcare professionals. And so we can help them set up these programs to make sure that if someone slips through the fingers of uh, our screening program and has an event, uh, that they're likely to have a successful outcome like Damar Hamlin and uh, um, Brownie did. And so somebody like Bronnie James, healthy, 18, has a cardiac arrest. Uh, does he go on to play sports? Will he be fine from here on out? I mean, if we well, don't because, know his particular case, but in, in the same instance. Yeah, so uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, you know, five or ten years ago, the answer would have been, no, he's benched. But I think uh, we're learning more and more about these conditions that can produce sudden cardiac death and how to either prevent them from happening or allowing these individuals to play in the sports. As long as they understand the risk, there are some things that could be done. Uh, There was a soccer player, uh, this was probably two years ago, uh, widely televised uh, game, and he had cardiac arrest. Uh, He was successfully resuscitated. And then for his recovery, he had an implantable defibrillator. It's like a pacemaker. And so he went back playing professional soccer and uh, has been having a very successful career. So uh, it isn't sort of a sentence of no more sports. I think we've learned a lot probably in the last 10 years 
of uh, trying to determine who can participate safely, what we could do to help them participate safely and, and uh, make it so that they don't have to give up a uh, professional career or uh, college career. Thank you so much for getting out there and saving lives and making this program and these screenings available. Are they available worldwide or is this just a national thing? Well, uh, our program is really in the Chicagoland area, um, and um, there are other programs that have popped up around the country. They all go about it in a slightly different way. We have a very efficient model here where uh, the biggest uh, cost for doing anything is labor, and we train the parents on actually how to do the EKGs. And so we recruit the parents from the school. We train them how to do the EKGs. Uh, and they go out there and they do the work and they could do the EKGs. And we've shown this with studies. They could do them just as efficiently and with and the same level of quality or greater than what you could get in the emergency room at your local hospital. Thank you so much, Dr. Merrick. Have a beautiful day. Oh, thank you for having me on. I enjoyed it.